gifts and the ministries of the Holy Spirit, and uh, the Lord has been helping us big time. Uh, not only uh, have we been talking about it, but I think we've been seeing a, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit and a demonstration of the power of God here last week in Revival. It kind of shows us the gifts and ministries of the Spirit working in different, different ways uh, through different people. Uh, since we had different ones come through here, uh, the Lord definitely, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how uh, God uses everyone in uh, their own unique way and how God takes uh, and his, uh, it's like the fingerprint of God, you know, every, every piece makes up a part and every part and every piece isn't exactly the same. And so, Talisha, hello. <clears throat> so we, uh, we're definitely, um, uh, praise Jesus, hallelujah. Are the youth here or are they? They're at Taco Bell, okay. But Hilda's here. <laughs> Come up here, Hilda, so you get to grab this real quick from me. Um, you don't have to bring the whole baby buggy, just, just yourself, just for one second. And... Um, <laughs> it's, it's an invoice for the water you drank in revival. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just kidding. <laughs> and the rest of you will be getting your invoices through CCB. <laughs> do, do not ignore, yeah, do not ignore your, do not ignore the CCB texts this week. <laughs> All right, so um, amen. So First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, let's run there real quick. First Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, definitely going to try to stick to uh, what we've been trying to establish as a time, and I never can quite do that, but I don't purposefully uh, break the rule. Um, usually we get questions, and they're good questions. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's read it uh, from uh, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do, want, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols. Uh, however, you, you were led. Therefore, I make, you, make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given by the word, uh, for to one is given uh, the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Amen. And so um, say this with me. Say, uh, but, the one and, and, but the one and the same Spirit 
works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So we have a promise. Now, now let's, let's, let's talk about the word of God because if the word of God says something, if he, you know, we sing about it. If he said it, we believe it. Isn't that right? So if he said that he's distributing uh, um, these works of the Spirit to each one, then doesn't that mean that each one of us then should be looking for our distribution? Listen, if we were distributing, uh, if we were distributing money, and I said, there's money for each one of you here, and there's going to be a distribution made of that money. Listen, you'd line up for your money. Go ahead. Amen. You would, there would be an expectation on your part that they would now, you know what? If I said there was going to be a, one time I went to a church and I told this pastor, I said, um, they, they're, 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 they had a group of, of people going on a missions trip. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to the next three churches that I'm at, I'm going to go and I'm going to take up a special offering for your missions trip and in each one of those uh, uh, revivals. And then I will, I will send you the offering so that your folks can go on this mission trip. And um, that's what I had committed to do. Well, the next three meetings that I had were in churches where people weren't real great about giving. And so I maybe raised about $300, you know, for this missions trip. And so by the time I got that, you know, that money and then went to, I'm real bad about getting stuff off to people. Um, went to go and give that money, those people had already gone on their trip. And so I didn't, I didn't send them the uh, $400 or so that we had raised for them to go on this mission. Not intentionally, unintentionally. Do you know that that pastor severed all ties with me from that moment on, even though, even though we had had the greatest revival that that church had ever had, we were the ones that were uh, spearheaded that revival. That church grew out of its building and ended up moving into the community center. They doubled in size as a result of the revival that we had and then built a $2 million facility and had one of the largest uh, uh, spirit-filled churches in that area. But that guy never had me back to preach. He never wanted to talk to me again. And it was all over that I had promised a distribution and didn't do it. Go ahead. So that's how people feel about when you, when you say, if I as a man say I'm going to make a distribution of something, you know, people count on it. Well, you know what? God has said he's distributing gifts to each one of us as he will. Amen. Individually. And so there, there, ought, there ought to come a greater expectation on our part. In fact, we ought to be looking for those distributions regularly. Amen. And that's, that's why we've gone on to this, uh, into this study, so that we can study what those gifts are and what those ministries are. So we, uh, we, we talked about um, um, the uh, revelation gifts, the revelation gifts being um, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And uh, so we ended with talking about the discerning of spirits. Now, the discerning of spirits is a revelation. What do they call them? Revelation gifts. Because uh, these gifts, the, these three gifts function by revelation of the spirit. In other words, there is a uh, revelation um, 
revelation. The word vision and revelation, you can both you can use them uh, similar. They they're the they're they're the same. They mean the same thing. Uh, revelation and vision. It's something that the Lord shows you supernaturally by the Spirit. Something that He displays supernaturally that was only uh, that was uh, something that was of the Spirit that was only known or seen in the Spirit that all of a sudden comes to uh, to you and you're able to, uh, I guess, communicate it in the natural. So, revelation. A uh, uh, amen. I don't know if I can do that. I didn't break out the definition. So anyway, you, you guys know what I'm saying. So these, these gifts uh, put you in a position to, uh, to see something uh, that uh, you wouldn't normally see by the Spirit. Uh, the gift of discerning of spirits is the gift that the Lord gave me as a teenager, and I still function in it today. In fact, anytime I get in the Spirit, uh, that gift of the discerning of spirits functions. So you say... So, Pastor Zig, how does that function? Well, the gift of the discerning of spirits is seeing into the realm of spirits, uh, seeing what spirit is in operation at any given time. So what happens to me when I function in the gift of the discerning of spirits, you know when I call people out to minister to them, to give them uh, a, uh, a prophetic word, to give them a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, uh, what happens to me is I, I look and I see people and they start to glow. They start to shine. So I literally see uh, with my natural eyes into the realm of the spirit. And what I'm seeing when I see that light around people is I'm seeing God's spirit upon uh, those individuals. Oh, yeah. And when I see God's spirit on those individuals, that's when I know uh, who I'm supposed to call out. Now, when I see the spirit of God on people, um, I don't know at that moment what I'm supposed to tell them. In fact, I'm not really sure what the Lord's going to do with those people. All I know is that the Lord is pestering them. All I know is that the Spirit of God is on them. Now, if any of you have been on the other end of that gift when it's been functioning super strong, um, you, you know this. You know that you become aware of the fact that you're going to get called out before I ever call you out because you become aware of the presence of God. All of a sudden, you're caught up in his presence. Maybe your heart starts to race. Maybe you feel that heat around your head and shoulders. Maybe you start to get all numb and buzzy and tingly, and you're like, ooh, I might get called out. Pretty soon, you're like, my finger's pointing at you. You're like, ah. Man, I really... Well, see, God's, that's, that's how I knew to call you to begin with, was that the Spirit of God came and rested upon you. That's the gift of the discerning of spirits in operation. Now, for a long time, I didn't know that that's, you know, I would see the Spirit of God come on people, but I, I didn't know that I was supposed to call them out. And so sometimes I would just go to talk to them because I wondered why they were shining that way. Sometimes when the gift of the discerning of spirits operates, I've been, I've been looking over a crowd of people like this, and all of a sudden, uh, the, the, what, what some people call the Shekinah cloud of glory. And now see this, when I talk about this, and uh, y'all are with me, right? We're, 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 we're going we're to catch a rhythm here in a second. I just want you to, when we don't start off with worship, it, it becomes a little more difficult for us to get that rhythm. But um, 
I don't want to create unrealistic expectations in you because when you hear preachers talk about the supernatural, you hear ministers and, and, and people that are uh, in full-time ministry talk about these supernatural happenings. Some, some people think, well, you know, it seems like these things are common. Well, they're not common for everyone. That's, that's why the Bible says that he gives these gifts individually as he wills. Say as he wills. As he in other words, you can't, just, you can't just turn on a light switch and function in whatever gift of the Spirit. It's not like a light switch. Well, I think I'll turn on the gifts of healing today. You don't turn them on. Now, more recently, people have, people have uh, tried to teach people how to heal the sick. Now there are, way, there are different, lots of different ways to heal the sick. But if people are going to be healed through the gifts of healing, there first has to be a manifestation of the Spirit and for that, for that, that, or a gift of the Spirit to, to manifest. So for that gift of the Spirit to manifest, the first thing that has to, has to exist is it has to be the will of the Spirit for that gift to manifest through you at that time. Now you can lay hands on the sick according to Mark chapter 16 and by faith lay hands on the sick according to that scripture and believe that when you lay hands on the sick they're going to recover. You know what happens when you do that out of obedience to the word of God? Sometimes you make room for the gifts of healing to function through your life. Uh, am I making... Am I, oh yeah. All right. So we're not talking about gifts of healing. Well, we may talk about the gifts of healing today. But anyway, so um, the, the gifts of healing may manifest, but... You're, you, the, the thing is, you're not forcing the Lord. You're, you're acting in obedience to Scripture. You're doing what the Bible said. God is not going to be forced to do what you want Him to do. Are y'all hearing me today? Even if it's His will, you can't force God to move it. Now, some people say this. Well, you know, I can if the Spirit... Smith Wigglesworth said... One time they asked Smith Wigglesworth, they said, Smith, how is it that the Spirit of God moves all the time in your meetings? Why is it that you always have a move of the Spirit? They said, why is it that some, sometimes in other people's meetings, sometimes the Spirit moves and sometimes He doesn't? Smith Wigglesworth made this statement. He says, because when the Spirit ain't moving, I move the Spirit. Go ahead now. Now what, some people, now, what some people believed that to mean was that somehow or another you could push God to do things that he didn't necessarily want to do. That's not really the truth. What's probably what Smith Wigglesworth was referring to is what I was just referring to. You know, the Bible says, as believers, we lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. Amen. Sometimes when we'll just be obedient to do his word and trust his word and believe what his word says, many times the spirit of God will manifest because we have done what God told us told us to do according to, in other words, signs, uh, uh, signs will follow uh, the preaching of the word of God. In fact, when you look at scripture, the Bible says that when the disciples went out preaching and teaching the word, that, that, that uh, signs followed God proving that he was working with them through the signs and the wonders that followed. Uh, but that was, that was only because they preached the word of God and God will watch over his word to perform it. His word will not return void, but it'll accomplish all that it was set out to do. So understand this. There are people that function uh, regularly in the gifts of healing. For example, Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn functions in that, uh, in that uh, spiritual gift of gifts of healing. Catherine Kuhlman functioned in that gifts of healing uh, gift. In other words, uh, healing manifests regularly when these people, when these people get in the spirit, the gifts of healing manifest through their lives and their ministry. That's very different than going and laying hands on the sick and them recovering because you did the word of God. You have any questions about that? 
Okay, he tells there, there are other ways that the Bible has provided for healing. The Bible says if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint their head with oil, praying the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise them up. Amen. So there's been provision made for uh, uh, laying on hands, anointing with oil by the elders, the prayer of faith saving the sick, the Lord raising them up. And the Bible, the Bible even gives provision for forgiveness in that whole thing. And if he's committed any sins, they'll be forgiven. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I just sin way more than y'all. But anyway, and need, and need more forgiveness because I get excited about forgiveness. Go ahead, man. <clears throat> so getting back to the discerning of spirits, you're, you're not going to force God to, to, to uh, manifest that particular gift through your life by pushing buttons and pulling levers. And you, you can definitely increase your chances of God using you in that way by hanging out with people that have that manifestation of the Spirit working in their life. If you get around those people regularly, many times there'll be an impartation or an overflow of the anointing or of the Spirit of God that's upon those individuals uh, into your life. Uh, what, you, what you have to be careful of in those instances is this, is that you don't believe that God is doing that for you because somehow or another that's your gifting. Sometimes, you know what? Sometimes what God does through you, he does through you because of who you're hanging out with. Pastor Annie preached a great message one time. She, said, she preached a message on, uh, the, the title of the message was being the friend of a friend of God. There are benefits that come with befriending those who are friends of God. And she took the story of Abraham and a lot. And she talked about how Lot was blessed. But Lot wasn't blessed because God had made Lot a promise. God was blessed because he made Abraham a promise. And there was an overflow from the life and the anointing that was uh, the life, flow of life of the life of God that was on Abraham and the anointing that was on Abraham. There was an overflow that affected Lot. And Lot walked in a measure of blessing just because he was friends with a friend of God. Go ahead, man. Now listen, you know what will happen is that you'll think that somehow or another you've gained favor with God or you've gotten some gift from God when you hang out with just go, Just go to a Southwest Believers Convention once. You go to the Southwest Believers Convention, Brother Copeland and them, Copeland and, and uh, Jerry Seville and uh, Jesse Duplantis and Creflo Dollar, uh, Bill Winston, all those faith guys, they'll be over there at the uh, Southwest Believers Convention. Um, Keith Moore. You go to that Southwest Believer, how long does it last? About seven days, is it six days? Six or seven days. You go down there for six days, I'm going to tell you right now. You, you get in that convention and your faith starts to fly. You ain't, you ain't in but two services before you're like, come on, Goliath, amen. Yeah, you, you, you're shouting at your circumstances. You uncircumcised Philistine, how dare you? Go ahead now. Man, you, you're, 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 uh, you're taking off your earrings and your high heels and, and, and putting your hair up in a ponytail and looking at your mountain. You know you're going to whip it. I mean, faith is high. And you know, there's a reason why faith is high in those meetings. Because there's a bunch of people that are anointed in the area of faith that are there ministering and that anointing is, is being imparted. That anointing is being stirred. Oh, oh See, I think, I think what is happening, the reason I'm talking about this is I think what has happened a lot in the 
in the body of Christ is that a lot of people have been in anointed meetings around anointed people and they've picked up an impartation here and there and they picked up these impartations and they thought that uh, because they picked up an impartation from someone else's anointing that somehow or another all of a sudden now they're called of God and they're anointed of God and then they went off to try to start their own ministries and do their own stuff and pretty soon that, that anointing waned and it diminished. Oh, yeah. And they and they wondered, you know, they they wondered why. And some of them, listen, some people are so immature that um, if they've had a prophecy or they've given a prophecy, one time <clears throat> there was a woman came to a church here in town. Uh, pastor Annie and I were attending that church. Um, wonderful church, wonderful pastor, wonderful people. And this woman, she was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful lady. She was such an awesome lady. You could tell that she had been with Jesus. You could tell, I think I'm probably going to need another bottle of water, Eddie, if you could. Um, boy, I'm parched. Anyway, um, this lady, you could tell she had been with Jesus. The, the, her whole, she was filled with life and light. She was an older lady. I mean, she was such, she had such a wonderful spirit. And when I met her, when I met her and I shook her hand, uh, this was the day before the meetings I, I met her. And I was like, man, this lady is awesome. And they called, uh, they called her, they gave her the title of prophet. Do um, you remember her first name? I don't remember her first name either. But anyway, they gave her the title of prophet. So a uh, Peggy was her first name. Anyway, uh, they gave her the title of prophet. And so they called her prophet Peggy so-and-so. And um, so she got up at the church the next, the next day, and she began to share her experiences with the Lord. Now, you know what? She didn't preach or teach. She just got up, she shared testimonies, and she shared visions and dreams that she had had and things that she had experienced in her walk with the Lord, in her relationship with God. Listen, it was wonderful, the things that she was sharing. We were blessed and encouraged in our faith when we heard her sharing these things. But then she was like, well, you know, um, I, you know, uh, this person here, I have a word for you. And she called him out. Well, I knew the person that she had called out. Uh, in fact, it may have, may have been Ted or Debbie were one of the first ones. It, I think it was Debbie that she had called out and she called Debbie out and she began to, uh, what she was doing was prophesying over Debbie. Now it was way, it, it listen, If she had been a batter in a baseball game, she'd have struck out for all nine innings. Oh, yeah. The game would have been over. The game would have been over on that one because she she missed it so bad. Oh, yeah. Now listen, this this lady's a wonderful lady, but she did not get one thing right about Debbie. She was telling her things that she believed were facts about Debbie's life, and none of them were facts. And Debbie wasn't going to sit there and say, Well, that's not right. No, you're wrong there. You know, Debbie was. Uh, very, very much the way she needed to be. She just put her head down and she just, you know, she stood there and she was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. And, and the lady prayed for her and Debbie sat down. Well, then she calls out Ted and then she called me out. She called different ones out. She, I don't think that she got one thing right for any of the people that I knew. 
Now, here's, here's the deal. Some people say, well, you, you shouldn't judge. Here's the, here's the deal about prophecy. The Bible says that, prop, that prophecy is the only thing that should be judged. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Because you don't want someone coming and prophesying over you. You don't want someone coming and speaking a word out of, out of good intentions. And a lot of times that's what happens in church. People, they're, they're, they have good intentions. So anyway, it was so bad that after church, the pastor was like, man, he said, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that to happen. Has anyone ever been in a meeting where you saw or experienced that? Anybody? Now, here's the thing. Because we want to give people the benefit of the doubt, because we want to be kind, because we're believers, usually we just shove it away, shove it aside, and we don't think nothing of it. But that's not really what the Bible tells us we ought to do about those things. We ought to, we ought to take note of it. We ought to guard our hearts from those kinds of things. Now, we shouldn't get ugly with those people because here's, here's the thing with this, this lady, Peggy is that um, after church, the pastor uh, talked to her and said, hey, listen, um, I- I'm glad you're here. Now, what did I say about this lady to begin with? She loved the Lord. Mm-hmm. You could tell she had, listen, this lady had, didn't have a shallow relationship with God. If you met her, you would, you would be challenged just sitting in the same room with her by the relationship that she had with Jesus. Oh, yeah. I mean, she, she had such a relationship with Jesus that you knew it without her ever speaking a word. I mean, you could tell that she was a Jesus lover, that she spent time in his presence, that she spent time in prayer. So how can someone who spends time in the presence of God, who spends time in prayer, who spends time with you, how can they get up and miss it so bad and do it time after time after time after time? You want me, you want me to tell you? It wasn't that she wasn't prayed up. It wasn't that she hadn't read her Bible. The pastor said to her, he said, Peggy, Sister Peggy, he said, I want you to know something. He said, um, he said you're, you're such a wonderful person. I see Jesus all over in you. He said, but all of those prophecies you gave, there wasn't one that you even got right. Not one. The stuff you were telling those people was cra- it was way off the wall. Nothing was right about the things that you were saying about those people. He said, um, he said, I would rather you open up the word of God and share with us from the word and sh- sh- yeah, share your experiences and share, by- but don't, don't, if, if the spirit of God isn't manifesting, uh, for you, if the Holy ghost isn't anointing you to prophesy, I would rather that you not, yeah. do you know what, do you know what happened when he told her that she began to cry and she said, thank you, pastor. She said, thank you so much. She says, you don't know the burden that you've lifted off of my shoulders. Oh, yeah. Wow. He goes, well, why is that? She goes, everywhere I go, they call me prophet, and they expect me to prophesy. He said, and they don't like it if I don't. So I, I feel like I have to get out there in faith and perform and try to prophesy because that's what people expect me to do. You know what? That's what happens when you get an impartation off of someone else's ministry and it manifests a couple of times and people start putting the pressure on you like you're a prophet. Then you start getting off course because you think that uh, you ought to be able to do it. And you know what? People are teaching people that they ought to be able to do it. Listen, that's the most ridiculous thing. I've ever heard taught in my whole life. Go ahead, man. Right. 
If the Spirit of God is in manifestation, you need to learn how to keep your mouth shut and your hands off. Keep your hands off of people and keep your mouth shut if the Spirit of God isn't in manifestation. You say, how will I know? Believe me, you'll know. Oh, yeah. When the Spirit of God begins to anoint you to stand up and do uh, some kind of ministry or function in some kind of gift, listen, I never had any trouble recognizing it. It was like turn, I mean, it, it was like how I imagined turning on a lightsaber would be. All of a sudden it's, I mean, all of a sudden you're buzzing, man, you're on. It's not something that you're not, listen, when God wants to use you and his spirit wants to manifest himself through you with gifts of the spirit and the anointings of the Holy Ghost, you're not going to miss it. You're going to know that he's doing it. Turn to someone, tell him you're going to know. It reminds me of the little thing they play during those meme videos. You're, they're going to know. Yeah, yeah, you're going to know and they're going to know. Amen. You know why? Because the Spirit of God is going to be on display. Because the Holy Ghost is going to be manifested. Because the power of God is going to be demonstrated. Because there's going to be shock and awe uh, on, the, on those that are uh, the recipients. Amen. And those that are the witnesses of what happened. Do you know how many texts I've gotten from people uh, since uh, uh, the ending of the revival meetings last week? Do you know how many texts and messages I've gotten from people saying (laughs) that they're still buzzing, that they're still floaty from the meetings, that they're still uh, they're still experiencing the presence of God? One of the I I, I was telling uh, 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 somebody uh, earlier uh, before we started that one of the pastors that came from Ohio, <laughs> he was so impacted by what happened here last week that he has signed six. This is Northwest Ohio. He has signed six couples up from his church to go to our marriage retreat in the, at the end of the year. Do you know what? Now, now we have six couples. Um, I, I'm not sure if that now that six couple, I'm sure that Reuben uh, probably is going to come and probably bring a few from his church. That means that if y'all don't hurry up, more than half of the people that come to our marriage conference are going to be from Ohio. And so, if, listen, if, if you're going to go to marriage conference, you better, you better get it settled like today. Because that just happened last night. You understand? But, I mean, impact. I'm getting messages from... Can, want me to read some of them to you? Oh, yeah. No, I'm not going to do that. We don't have time. Um, just a, the things that got... Uh, Chris Sherwood. Well, I'm going to read a couple. <laughs> Pastor Ben's. How many of you saw Pastor Ben's post on, on uh, Facebook? So let me just read you uh, one that I got from Chris Sherwood. Chris says, hey, pastor, I just wanted to say I'm still high on, this was today at uh, 3 p.m. I just wanted to tell you I'm still high on what the Lord did this past week. Thank you again for allowing us to be a part. God did and spoke some amazing things to me and Cade while we were there, and I'm excited about 2023. Can't wait until we hook up again. Come on. Amen. Um, let me read you uh, another one. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Let me read you, Pastor Benz. I'm trying to navigate it. I'm not good at this like Gabriel. Like Gabriel. That's what, that's what my, my mom calls him, is Gabriel. So Ben says this, as I think back to the week of revival at Winter's Church last week, I'm so encouraged. God uh, did an amazing work in my heart. He is so good. I'm also sad that it's over. It's hard to put into words. We catch a flow and the world begins to adjust to that flow. Then it comes to an end. It, it really is not a bad thing, but it is the manifestation of hunger for more. We truly feel at home with our Winners Church family. I love revival. I was born into revival. Our ministry began in revival. It marks you. It defines what your ministry will look like. And it gives vision for the course you are to travel in Jesus. Thank you, Winners Church and Pastor Zig and Marianne, for all you do in upholding the spirit of revival. You truly are a unique breed of Christian in today's world. We can't wait to see everyone again. I look forward to the future and rejoice for all. All that has been done. Amen. Amen. So not only did I get those two messages, but I got several other messages about, about the moving. So when the anointing, when the anointing of the spirit works in your life, when the gifts of the spirit manifest, are y'all, are y'all hearing this today? Listen, if the, if the result of the manifestation of the spirit isn't the challenging and the changing of the lives of others, then it's probably not the manifestation of the spirit. We've, church, we've got to start drawing away from things that don't bring about a life change. And much of what we're seeing happening in the church today doesn't bring about a life change in those that are experiencing it. Go ahead, man. People are having, you know, I, I became concerned when people began advertising their church services as come and uh, have an encounter. And they started calling their service times, their church service times, uh, encounter times. Well, listen, is that what we're looking for is encounters? Because you can have, you can come to church and have an encounter with the flesh. Go ahead, man. You can come to church and have an encounter with the devil. In fact, when the spirit of God is, and for those of you that don't, maybe not heard this, I think most of you have with the exception of our guests, but I preached a message one time on three unrealistic expectations about revival that people have. And one of the one of the unrealistic expectations that people have, especially ministers have, about revival and about the move of the spirit is this. They believe that when God moves that only God will move. Right. But I've done this for 37 years. I know I know this. Every meeting I've ever had, there are three there are three moves that happen in every meeting. The move of the spirit, the move of the flesh, and the move of the devil. The flesh shows up in every Holy Ghost meeting. The devil shows up in every Holy Ghost meeting. And the Spirit of God shows up in every Holy Ghost meeting. I mean, if it, that's what makes it a Holy Ghost meeting. Amen. So we have to learn how to identify what is the flesh, what is the devil, and what is the Holy, Holy Spirit. And then you know what we need to do? We need to ignore the flesh. We need to ignore the devil, and we need to magnify the Lord. Oh, yeah. 
If we get our eyes on the flesh, guess what? It's going to go in the ditch. You're going to go away saying, well, that person was in the flesh. I just didn't feel right about that. You know, I don't know about that. That really bothered me. And, and you know, I, I just think that was out of order. I, I think someone should have done something about that. Well, what about what Jesus did? Go ahead now. Guess what? At the Azusa Street Revival, there were people there that were in the flesh. But we don't read a lot about what... (laughs) Amen. Now, I I will tell you this. Probably the religious ones of that hour, that was probably one of the stumbling blocks of that revival. You know what? You know what one of those stumbling blocks might have been? Do you know that William Seymour didn't believe in women in ministry? In fact, William Seymour didn't believe, prob- probably didn't believe that women could get much of anything that men could get concerning the things of the Spirit. I am almost positive that the Spirit of God jumped on some women back in 1906, and the Spirit of God challenged William Seymour's theology. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Boy, that's right. Come on. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah. Come on, y'all. Listen, in the 50s, when the Spirit of God was being poured out, do you know what? The flesh was being manifested as much as the Spirit was. Do you know what was happening during that time? A.A. Allen would have a tent revival, and even yet in the 50s, there was the colored fountain, and there was the white fountain. (laughs) There was the colored bathroom, and there was the... Hello? And there was the white bathroom. But guess what? If I pulled out a videotape right now, in fact, if I had Joe pull one up and put it on one of these televisions of an A.A. Allen tent meeting, when that camera scans the crowd underneath that tent in the 1950s in a, in a segregated America, you see black faces and white faces sitting next to each other in a Holy Ghost meeting. Do you know that there were people uh, from the KKK that burned crosses in front of A.A. Allen's tents to try to stop the integration of blacks and whites worshiping together under the same tent. But Brother Allen, he wouldn't allow there to be segregation under his tent. He didn't put the black people in the back or in another section. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't have bathrooms for blacks, at, one for blacks and one for whites. He didn't have a cooler that people drank out water out of, one for blacks and one for In fact, he said, uh, the Bible says that because of grace, there is no Jew or Gentile. There is no bound or free. There is no male or female. It's just those that have been saved. By, boy, I'm about to... But you know what? Do you know, now, now I'm going to tell you something. While God was moving, that was happening at the same time. And there, I, I guarantee there were church people that were like, you know, that Alan, he can't be of God. He's got all them black people. And I'm sure they didn't call y'all black people. Amen. You know, you, Amen. It was hard R. Hard R. It was black. Hispanic. Blackish. <laughs> y'all, y'all hear me? That, that was all going on. But what do we read about? We read about what Jesus did. We read about the healings and the manifestation. You know, you know why? Because in the, midst, in the midst of the manifestation of the Spirit, in the midst of the moving of the Spirit of God, there's going to be three things that manifest. God's going to manifest, the, the devil's going to manifest, and the flesh is going to manifest. And in that moment, you're going to, everyone's going to have an opportunity in that moment. Now, when history tells the story, they're going to tell the stories of what God did. 
Go ahead now. But in the moment, you're going to have to, you're going, you're going to have to have enough of a relationship with God that you can determine what is God, what is yourself, and what is the devil. See, this, this current generation, they hadn't figured it out yet. They think, they're going to, they think that they're going to have an understanding of spiritual things by sitting around twiddling their, their thumbs, watching every preacher on YouTube, and uh, uh, running from meeting to meeting to meeting. But there's only one way to, to learn of the ways of the Spirit, and that's uh, a personal, intimate relationship with Him. You're going to have to get in your prayer closet. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to get before God personally. Oh, yeah. This, this, what I'm talking about, getting, man, that, that's why, you know, we talked about the distribution of the gifts being for everyone. The reason why everyone isn't seeing the gifts of the Spirit manifested in their life is because most people, you, you can, if you're carnal, you can't function in the Spirit. How are you going to manifest gifts of the Spirit when you're in the flesh? Go ahead, man. It's not going to happen. Now, you can play. Listen, when you go to a meeting and someone says, let's pray in the Holy Ghost and just say whatever comes to your mind. You in trouble. That's right. Boy, that's right. You're about to get over in the flesh. Oh, yeah. Or you're about to give place to the devil. That's right. Amen. I'd rather not have anything happen. That's right. I'd rather get up here and talk about Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, how I wonder what you are. Go ahead now. That's right. I do not like them on a box. I do not like them with a fox. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them. So I would rather have that than have people get up here and, and, and putz around in the flesh and people get off in their minds and in, in carnality and give place to the devil than pretend like we're having a move of the spirit. Isn't that right? Oh, yeah. Well, Pastor Ziggy, how will we know? You'll know. That's the thing, is you have to wait until you know. Oh, yeah. So if you have a, <clears throat> so like if I'm getting a, uh, if I'm discerning the spirit, if I'm discerning spirits, if I'm, if that gift is functioning in my life, if that gift is going to manifest. Listen, I'm not up here saying, wonder if it's working. I'm going to try to, I'm going to jumpstart this. Oh yeah, I'm going to jumpstart it? It doesn't originate with me. How can I jumpstart? The, the only way that gift can work is if I get in the spirit. Oh yeah. Amen. And if I get in the spirit, that gift may manifest. Most of the time it will, and it does. There have been occasions when it didn't function as, as strong as what it, it did at other times. Is this helping anybody? Or am I beating the same horse? Am I beating the same horse over again? Am I saying things that are need to be said? No. All right. No? Oh, okay. I thought you said. All right. Praise Jesus. So, any questions about that? Miss Ayla has a question. Wait for the microphone. 
Wait for the microphone for those that are listening. Uh, my question the is: Is it possible to get a impartation and it last? I think the the whole reason why impartation happens is because it provokes. Boy, y'all, uh, um, this is stuff you really got to pay attention to. Because what will happen is we'll talk about this, and some of you, because you're only halfway listening, um, you won't remember it, and then you'll revert back to the foolishness that you've been doing. So you got to really knuckle down and hear this and remember it and keep it in your heart and keep it in your mind. Because I know that I'm teaching here tonight, and teaching sometimes can be a little laborious, but it's, it's necessary. Uh, God wouldn't have given us teachers if we didn't need them. So, um, so y'all heard Ayla's question, right? Um, can we get an impartation? And then as a result of that impartation, something stick from what was imparted to us in our lives and us working it. The whole purpose for impartation, uh, is to draw things out of you, uh, by the spirit to bring things that God has sown into your life to the surface of your life so that those things can grow. So, uh, let me let me say, for example, like uh, we had three different ministries in through this uh, uh, through the revival. Every one of them impacted us in a different way. Pastor Harris impacted us one way. Tom Scarella impacted us a whole different way, and then Pastor Ben impacted us a different way. And then I get up and I impact y'all in a whole in a whole another way. So uh, the anointing that's on an individual's life. As they're imparting to you, what it's doing is it's drawing out of you things that God intends to draw to the surface of your life. And impartation is almost like um, him uh, giving you something as a down payment. Look, work in this so that you know that there's something more. I'm going to let this work in your life so that you know that there's something more that I have for you in your life. So I, I, I do believe that God will draw you to people who are of like precious faith, who uh, carry an anointing similar or uh, something that will, that will help you in fulfilling your purpose. Uh, it may not be exactly the same, but I, I do believe in that way, yes, uh, there are some things that can stick and that can remain. But usually what happens is when something is imparted to you through someone else, is that after a period of time, it wanes and it, uh, it becomes weaker and weaker until it's e it either becomes non-existent or there's just a slight difference in your life or in your ministry that results from the impartation that you got from that uh, ministry gift, that other person. Yeah. And I'm just speaking from experience. Because okay. listen, I don't know if I just get, if I'm just, uh, I don't know if I'm just built to receive impartation easier than other people, but I can literally go to any meeting and I, I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't know what I, I can't explain what I do. I can't explain the process that I go through in my heart or in my mind or what actions I take. But if there's someone who is anointed and I mean, they're like really for real carrying the anointing of God. I can walk out of there with a portion of that anointing. It shocks me when people, uh, when, when everyone don't walk out with the same kind of thing that I walked out with. 
And I, I understand now that most people don't receive in the same measure that I do. I walked into that. The last time it happened to me in a real impactful way was at that Reinhard Bunky meeting. I went into that Reinhard Bunky meeting and um, I wasn't in there for 20 minutes before I was aware of the fact that there was an anointing in that building that I had never uh, experienced before in, in that way. You know, that I've been around evangelists. I've, I've, I've received impartation from evangelistic anointings. I, you know, Shambach, you've heard me tell about Shambach. Benny Hinn, you know, um, uh, Dave Roberson, um, uh, Lee, uh, Leroy Thompson. So they're, they're just different ones. Uh, uh, Brother Hagen, uh, Benny, did I say Benny Hinn? I already said Benny Hinn. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. <laughs> A.A. Uh, a. Allen, even after he was dead. You know, all these people I've... But this was unique. It was different. You could tell that this was uniquely something that God had put upon Reinhard Bunke that was beyond... It, this was not just a ministry to, uh, what, to the people that was there uh, in Oklahoma City in that building. You were aware of the fact that this man carried a ministry and carried a favor from God that was international. It, it, he was speaking in Oklahoma City, but the authority he spoke with affected the whole world. Didn't matter, didn't matter where he was. You could tell what he was doing was having an impact on the whole world. And when I recognized that, I was like, Lord, I received this in the name of Jesus. And I left there impacted. In fact, um, if I'm not mistaken... That meeting happened around the time that we were, um, it, was, it happened around the time that we were doing something uh, of an evangelistic nature. Uh, maybe we were, do, we were starting to do our, um, um, our outreaches or whatever. And uh, as a result of being in that meeting, I started talking to you all about outreach and about evangelism, and I got up under the anointing of the evangelist probably in a bigger way than I ever had been at Winter's Church for that period of time leading up to our going forth. I mean, it was very impactful. It was very impactful. I was surprised that not everybody came out of the meeting with that same impact. But I guess some people are more, either they're more prone or more sensitive, or they have prepared themselves to receive those kinds of impartations than other people have. You know what? Maybe it's that I don't care what anybody thinks. Here's the deal. I don't think of, I don't, I don't feel too proud to go up and have some other person lay their hands on me, whether people know who that person is or not. Listen, if I'm, if I'm recognizing something that the Spirit is doing in someone, can't nobody keep me at my chair? I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to be on you like ugly on an ape. Amen. Oh, yeah. I'm be on you like sweet on candy, like white on rice. <laughs> Amen. Because what God has, for, to me, what God has to offer is way more valuable than me, you know, eating crow or, or, or uh, I don't know. I'm not, I don't understand that. Um, I did go to a meeting one time where I was like, Lord, I don't want this guy to call me out. It's probably right. But anyway... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very open. Uh, now, if, if, someone, if someone is a flake, I'm not open to that. If I recognize that someone's anointed, but I feel like that there's something going on in their life that's not quite up to snuff, I don't, I don't, let, I don't run to have those people lay their hands on me. 
But I think a willingness to say, I don't have it all, and I need some of what some of these other people have, I think that's extremely important uh, to impartation. Humility. I I say humiliation because we don't realize that humility uh, (laughs) is you humiliating yourself. No one likes to be humiliated. Does anyone like to be humiliated? Nobody. But the Bible tells us to humble ourselves. You know what that means? Humiliate yourself to get under the hand of God. Throw your reputation and this idea, this lofty idea that you have of you being this, you know, uh, uh, mature, (laughs) in your right mind, Christian. Listen, sometimes you got to look nuts. Go ahead now. Praise God. One time I was up preaching, and I told the story of a man that... uh, We were, we, were, we were at Revival in Chickasha, and no, I'm not going to tell that. I'll tell that later. Anyway, praise God. But uh, uh, so, C- Carolyn. So you, you answered my first question. <clears throat> it was uh, about uh, what would be the difference if uh, someone, like the impartation or, or the anointing. It, there's no difference. Is that what you're talking about? Like yeah, it's the, the it's, measure? Yeah. Would it be just considered the measure? Of well, it? no, I think the, um, there are times that the Lord causes his anointing to come. Let's, uh, let's say it this way. Say that I'm the Lord and I throw a mantle on you or an anointing on you. Mm-hmm. That anointing came directly from the Spirit of God. But when Elijah threw his mantle on Elisha, that came from the Spirit. But God used a man to make that deposit. So it, it, was, it was a man taking a mantle, putting it on another man, and God then honoring what that man did and imparting to that man through another man uh, the spirit and the anointing for that guy's ministry. So some, now there are times you can get up under there if a guy's under the anointing, if someone's under the spirit, um, just because God has empowered them and anointed them, and we, we think it's got to be the will of God for us to get something. But you know, the Bible says there was a man that was uh, fighting in a war that uh, he fell on the bones of Elisha, dead. And when he hit those bones, the anointing was in those bones, and because the anointing, the anointing was in the bones. And because the anointing was in the bones, this guy gets raised from the dead. Church, we we are we are underselling and undercutting the power of the anointing of God that is in our life. Do you know if we believed this in the measure that we needed to believe it, then when we were dead, there would be a measure of that anointing, the residue of that anointing that would reside in our bones. Because, you know, there's a scripture that I think a lot of people don't, they don't really realize what it says. Ephesians chapter 3, run, run over there real quick, Joe. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. See, this is why we don't finish this series. 
How can you exhaust this? You can't, can you? I mean, we could do this forever and we never finish. It's inexhaustible because I'm saying, listen, I'm saying stuff that we're, I, I tried to talk to you about discerning the spirits. And look, I'm saying stuff that some of you have never heard me say or we've never talked about. Look what it says. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now stop there. Now unto him who's able, because some people, that's the, that's the, when they think about this scripture, that's about all they think about in this scripture. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And they leave out or don't, don't try to gain understanding of the most important part of that verse. That's right. He'll do exceeding abundantly above uh, all we ask or think. But look what it says in the next verse. According. Now, you know, you know what that means? That means he's going to do all that stuff, but it'll be according to the power that worketh in us. In other words, he's only going to do exceeding and abundantly above according to the power that you allow. The measure of the power that you allow to work in you. You see, most of us, we only, we, God does stuff in our lives, but we only let him do so much. We almost never let him do all that he can do and all that he wants to do. But as we yield ourselves over, that was the purpose of me starting this series was because I know y'all know about spiritual gifts. I know y'all know about tongues and the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost baptism, salvation. I know you know about the spirit in and the spirit of I know y'all know about these things, but what we've, what we've not done is we've not experienced, mo- and I'm not saying this to try to make my, me exclusive. That's, y'all know me, you know, you know my heart. But when I, when, I see, when I see Christians today, modern day Christians, most of them, I don't understand. I, I can't figure out what their deal is. Because I look at them and I think, why are you satisfied? I mean, you, you, got, your, you got your toes in the water and you're satisfied. Because you just got your, your, your ankle deep. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. Most of most even people in our church, um, there have been there have been some times that I've been over there in a measure of the spirit that <laughs> it's it, it's not even describable. It's it's not even describable, and that's not a brag. It's just a fact. <laughs> but I know this. I know that this isn't just reserved for some. It's not just for special people. The promises that I stood on to get over there in the spirit are promises that God has made to every one of us as believers. I, w- I will tell you this. I, I, uh, I know that a, a part of the reason why I saw these things manifested is because I first learned that God's word said I could have it, that it was for me, that what was in the book of Acts was for me. What God said about the Holy Spirit was for me specifically. And so I wasn't going to settle for anything less. 
And my pursuit of the Lord. Did y'all pray with me today, this morning? Did anybody intercede with me? I know some of you may have prayed later, but if you prayed with me this morning, that is exact. That listen, that's exactly how I have prayed almost since the beginning of my walk with God. I don't even talk to God about it unless I can find it in His Word, because I know if I can find it in His Word, it's settled. I don't pray with any doubt in my heart. I know that these things are settled. I don't have to see it with my eyes. I know that God's going to do it because He said it. He did everything that he said for all those old boys that came ahead of us. He's not about to start failing me. Amen. And, it, and it's that kind of faith and that kind of tenacity that led me into places. Listen, I wasn't qualified to go into those places God sent me into. I didn't, have, I didn't have all the learning that some people had. I didn't have all the integrity that some people had. My character was flawed. I didn't, you're not going to get in. Now listen, your, your character, you ought to work on your character. If you're going to be a Christian, you ought to cut way back on the sin. Amen. You ought to be a person of integrity. But I'm, let me tell you something. Integrity is not what takes you there. Your character is not what... A better character than everybody else is not what gets you in there. You know what gets you in there? Tenacity. Steadfastness. Being stubborn. Being determined. Not giving up, believing the word of God, exercising your faith, oh, yeah. navigating those waters uh, by the spirit. Is, is, uh, is this helping anybody? Oh, yeah. I think I should have given y'all Wednesday today off. I, I'm seeing some of y'all a little struggling, <laughs> a little, little struggling. It's okay. I understand. I'd be struggling a little bit too if I wasn't so hyped up. Amen. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, the, the, the whole purpose for me teaching this was to try to stir up and create a hunger in you for you to press in to the, you know what I would love? I would love it. I would love it if every one of you, um, the anointing was so strong on your life that when you took your clothes to the dry cleaners, people got healed. Or when people hung out with you that struggled with chronic illness, their illnesses would go away while they were in your presence because those illnesses couldn't function in your presence because you were so full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Your belief and your, your belief system and your faith was at such a measure. Brother Hagin, he said there was, a, there was a pastor that wanted to travel with him and go uh, preach with him. And Brother Hagin said he took him with him, but he told him the guy had diabetes. Brother Hagin told him this. Ooh, Gil, you're going to like this. Brother Hagin looked at this guy and said, as long as you're traveling with me, you're not going to register any sugar. You're not going to have any manifestation of that disease, of that sickness in your body. He said, because I don't let sickness come around me. Sickness has no authority to function in my presence because I'm in his presence. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. You're going to find liberty and freedom from that sickness, from that infirmity, as long as you're with me. Oh, yeah. You know, that guy traveled with Brother Hagin. He ate whatever he wanted. He drank whatever he wanted, not booze, but, you know, uh, sugar-filled drinks. He didn't have not one bit of trouble. He was on insulin shots every day. And he did not take one insulin shot the whole time he was with Brother Hagin. He had it bad. 
But for two weeks, he didn't register. He ate pie. He said he did he did everything he ate every way, and it didn't affect him not one bit. He didn't have any reaction of diabetes whatsoever in his body. He said for a full uh, two or three months after he was with Brother Hagen, it didn't manifest in his body. He said, but after that impartation waned, slowly it came back. He had to start injecting himself with insulin. Someone told me that Brother Hagen later testified that that man started working his faith and after working his faith, the Lord delivered him from diabetes and he was 100% healed walking on his own faith. Thank God. Thank God. Boy, listen, that ought to, that ought to stir your faith. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. So, there is a place, John G. Lake. You know, uh, uh, history says that John G. Lake, he went and he went where they, uh, some other country where they, the, the plague had broken out, the Black Plague, I believe. And um, he and his team were going into villages where people had died from this plague and hauling people's bodies out of there to be buried. They, would, they were digging mass graves. They were burying these people. Well, when help had come from all over the world, they sent help to this region um, the governments from other nations sent people into this area to help with this um, plague. And they saw John G. Lake and his people, and they're dragging people. They, they weren't wearing masks. They weren't wearing gloves. They weren't wearing protective gear. And they were like, you're going to die of this plague. And he said, no, we ain't not. we're not dying of no plague. You'll die before I die. Well, how can you do this without any gloves without any masks, without any uh, protection. And John G. Lake said, that sickness, can't, that, can't, that sickness can't live on my body. It can't live in my presence. Whatever I bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever I loose on earth is loosed in heaven. If it's not allowed in heaven, it ain't allowed here. If it's allowed in heaven, then it's allowed to work in my body. They wanted to check it out. So you know what they did? They put his hand under a microscope and they took a live sample of that plague. They said the minute it touched the palm of his hand, it died. A thousand fell at his side, 10,000 at his right hand, but it would not come nigh his Well, Are you all hearing this today? See, so, so when you get over there and you begin to, now the world will be thinking you're crazy. Christians will be thinking you're crazy. The average Christian of today in the United States of America, they're going to think you're nuts. They're going to they're gonna think you hooked up with, you know, they're going to be like, when y'all drinking the Kool-Aid? Oh, yeah. But these are, these are basic Bible principles. This isn't even the deep stuff. I mean, Jesus, the regular stuff Jesus told his disciples to do. Heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. Freely you've received, freely, like it was easy. Jesus was the first one to look at his disciples and say, just do it. Oh, yeah. That wasn't Nike, that was Jesus. Go ahead now. Just go do it. You, you got it for free? Give it for free. Glory to God. Amen. Menesoporobosa. Torombronde ne maradrieshe. 
Korobosa karadrio shekele bereka. Barandrune ne mesa kele gorosopongele jay. Arasobongele kereboya. Come on, pray in the spirit with me. I lay hands on you, Ted, and I release that, that authority, that anointing that I'm talking about here today. I'm turning it loose on y'all in the name of Jesus. I lose the fire of the Holy Ghost on you right now. And in Mosa, in the name of Jesus. Lord, you raising us up. You raising us up. It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. We are not numbered with those that just talk about these things. God, you raising us up. I thank you, Father. That we as believers, as long as we're in this building, as long as we're here and we're in your presence, no sickness and no disease, no infirmity will cross the threshold of this house. Everyone who is sick when they walk into this building will be healed in the name of Jesus. Every bound one will be free in Jesus' name. And they will go from this house well. Freely we've received it, Lord. Freely we're going to give it in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We command that baby that's in Talisha's belly to get off of her bladder and every other organ that's in her body in the name of Jesus. (laughs) I thank you, Lord, that her body is dealing with water and fluid in the right way. She is not holding on to liquids in the name of Jesus. I declare every bit of inflammation that's in her body being released now in Jesus' name. Talisha, instead of discomfort keeping you up tonight, uh, you're just going to have to pee a lot because you're going to start passing some of that water and some of that inflammation in the name of Jesus. It's coming out of you in Jesus' name. 
and all that has made this portion of your pregnancy uncomfortable, we declare in the name of Jesus that by the Spirit, God is going to cause you to be comfortable in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That you're going to get, uh, that when you sleep, you're going to get rest. And no matter how much sleep you get, you're going to be rested and ready for your day in the name of Jesus. I declare that you're going to enter a season of great rejoicing. And that in that season of rejoicing, you're going to go into the presence of God and you're going to experience the fullness of His joy. In the name of Jesus. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, see, this is what we're doing here right now. This is a part of what we've got to do to, uh, to accommodate uh, that, that greater measure. Now, we're not doing this so we can get a, so we can, just so we can have an experience. But if we have an experience, you know what you need to do? If, if the Spirit of God comes upon you in, a, in an unusual way, you need to yield to His Spirit. And his spirit will almost always ask you to respond in a way that you don't necessarily want to respond. Sometimes it's falling on your face. Sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's to, you know, I think some of you stood up because you're like, I just think I need to stand up right now. You know, uh, sometimes it's uh, the lifting of a hands. It's a shout of prayer. Don walked out from where he was at and he, he positioned himself uh, to, to uh, block me just in case I didn't get to him, you know. I was going to get... You know, there, there are things that the Spirit of God will, uh, will uh, prompt you to do. And here in this season, it's important that you follow those promptings. Now, here's the thing. If it doesn't seem like anything results from those promptings, rebuke that. Something always happens when you're obedient to God. It may not happen in the visible realm, but something will happen in the realm of the invisible. And eventually what you create is an environment that will facilitate a manifestation in this earth realm of something God intends to get to you from the realm of the spirit. But see, that's how we work it out. That's how we do this. And I want us, I want us more and more. Now, you know what? That means that we're going to come to church and it's, you know, some people are going to think we're strange. I don't care. Go ahead, man. Boy, that's right. I, I hope you don't. I hope you don't care. You know what? I'm going to tell you right now, most of the churches I go to that are big churches, they're weird. So we'll just be like the rest of them. Amen. We'll be, we'll be weird only in a, maybe in a little different way. But uh, praise God. Any other questions anybody have before we... Yes, Anna? Um, based on your experience of being in the Spirit, is there a difference between being in the Spirit and manifestation of the Spirit upon you? Like, I, I don't want to say fleshly, but like physically? Um, you can, you can get in the spirit and not, um, be aware of the manifested presence of God. So a lot of times we think we, we associate a feeling, whether it's a physical feeling like a warm buzzy or a numb tingly or a warmth or whatever, we associate that feeling with being in the spirit. There are people that feel that feeling that aren't in the spirit. They're aware of his presence. 
I can go up to I can go up to lost people. We watch Cullen, you know, Cullen, uh, uh, the evangelist from Michigan. <laughs> Cullen is just as wild as I'll get out. That dude is, he's just wild. But he'll go up to people that are lost, people that are, they're not even born again. And he'll say, throw up your hands and say this, say fire, fire, fire. They'll put up their hands, they'll say fire, fire. And about the second fire, they start to tremble and shit. We've, we've watched people get under the influence you know, under the touch of the Spirit. I say, won't say under the influence, but they, they experience the manifested presence of God and they're not even born again. So being in the Spirit isn't, doesn't mean necessarily that you're having a feeling. Sometimes there's, many times there's feelings associated with being in the Spirit. But being in the Spirit uh, or walking after the Spirit, let me, let me define that for you. It's when you become more aware of the realm of the spirit than you are of the natural realm. Oh, yeah. When you're more in tune with the spirit realm than you are with the natural realm. So, manifestations of the spirit. Man the manifestation of the spirit, there's almost always a feeling in your physical body associated with a manifestation of the spirit. Because the spirit of God... Uh, comes upon you and equips you and empowers you to do something you're not capable of doing. So many times, especially in the beginning, especially if you've never had a lot of the gifts of the Spirit function through your life, many times there's a stronger feeling associated with uh, the, the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit in the life of a believer in the beginning because God's trying to teach you how to respond to what He's doing. Now, if you feel the presence of God, and, or, or for example, if God, this is a lot of the reason why things go in the ditch for many people nowadays, is that many of you are coming to church, the Spirit of God's coming on you, uh, he, the Holy Ghost is manifesting, and He's manifesting because He wants you to step out in some spiritual gift, and you, you're aware of the fact that He's upon you, but instead of uh, tuning your ear to hear what He wants you to do, some of you just like, ooh, this is nice, but man, I, you know, for, if it's fear, I don't know if it's fear or if it's the fact that you're not really a walking after the Spirit or you're not in the Spirit when, you're, when this is happening to you, that you miss it and short-circuit what God wants to do because you don't act on what he's, uh, what he's asking you to do. You know, like in the middle of this, I just went and started laying hands on y'all. On now, I'm not saying he's going to tell you to lay hands on people in the middle of worship service. In fact, he's probably not. That's, you know, that gets kind of, you know, then you're getting kind of out there where you're borderline. But now if he told you to do that and it was the spirit of God telling you to do it and you start laying hands on people, they start hitting the floor under the power of God, we're probably going to let you keep on. Go ahead, man. But there's a difference when that happens. Um, am I making sense? Because we want to glob all these things together and we want to we try to make... The, the, in the spirit, there's a rhythm, there's a flow. It's, um, mm, uh, oh gosh, I keep wanting to use different people as an example. Um, if, if Lewis was here, are there, any, are there any other people that are athletic here? Anybody athletic? Do any sports? <laughs> no. Um, okay, well, let, me, let, me, let me try to, uh, uh, Gil's a fisherman. But he may be the only one that gets this, if I say, you know, fishermen. Anyway, uh, athletes talk about being in the zone. 
You ever hear them say that? They were in the zone. When they're in the zone, they perform extraordinarily. They perform on a higher level. Now, you know what some people believe? Some people believe that when athletes get in the zone, they're tapping into the spirit. They're not really allowed access to that realm outside of Jesus. And so that can get kind of dicey. But some people believe, I don't know whether I believe that or not. I do know that I have experienced being in the, in the zone. Um, for me, it was fishing. Everyone around you is striking out. But man, you're just hitting. And everybody's looking at you like, what are you doing different? You don't even know. You just keep hauling them in. All you know is that you're in tune. I mean, it's like that rod is an extension of your hand. That string, it's like you are the string. And, and man, it, you're sensitive. It's like, oh, M- yeah. musicians get in that play. I'm sure there are times that you have played on seemingly an extraordinary level. You just got in a zone and, and you locked in and you wished you could do it every time. Because there's sometimes you get up and you flat out blow it. And you're like, man, I couldn't catch a break to save my life. But, um, but what we try to do, I think, is as Christians, we, we try to glob all this stuff together and we try to glob the anointing in with being in the Spirit and being in the Spirit with feeling the presence of God. And being in the Spirit is like being in the zone. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you're only aware that you're in the zone because of what you're seeing happening as a result. You're only aware that you're tapped more into the flow of the Spirit. Sometimes you're aware of it. You're like, wow, you know, what's, what's happening? What's going on? Uh, before, you know, before um, uh, when we had that revival in Richmond, before I got on the platform, when I was in Pastor Harris's office, I was like, ooh, something's going on. I'm going to tell you all right now, uh, this trip to Garvin that we're going to do Friday, I was, I was sitting in my chair yesterday. And I started floating off into that place where I float off to just before we have a big time revival breakout. And I, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, if my people in that region will be open to revival, I will pour out my spirit in Southeast Oklahoma. And so I believe that it's God's plan for us to have revival in Southeast Oklahoma indefinitely when we go there this time. That doesn't mean it'll happen because I'm not the only factor. Now, I'm posi- I've already positioned myself. We're going to have extraordinary meetings in Garvin. If you can get there, I would encourage you to get there because we're going to have extraordinary meetings in Garvin at the church. And there'll be an opportunity given by the Lord to people to, to, there to embrace the moving of the Spirit. Now, see, uh, already I'm in the Spirit for those meetings. Oh, yeah. Already. Yeah. And so I'll show up there already in the... I'm not a, off in the you know, in the realm of, of a carnal realm, I'm, I'm tucking into the spirit and longer I can stay there. Now the anointing will come upon me manifest in my, in me when, when I'm there, that's a totally different thing than just being in the spirit. You can be in the spirit and the anointing not manifest. The anointing is for work. Yes. Why would God continue to anoint you for work if you won't do it? And see, that's, that's what, where some of us are at in our church, is the Spirit comes upon us to get us to do something in a service, whether it's a tongue. Some of you, you get in here, you're like, man, I could give a tongue right now, but you don't do it. And then pretty soon, Spirit of God ain't manifesting on you at all. You know why? Because why would He do it if you ain't going to step out? Go ahead, man. 
But if you get if you if you start if you start responding, if you start responding to the Holy Ghost, then you then you create an environment for him to move through you. Not only through you, but for us. Tender a place we, you know, we don't typically go to. So uh, that's why I say it's important that you that you really pay attention and that you really uh, become hyper-focused on the things of the Spirit. I hope I'm answering your question. Oh, yeah. yeah, you, you answered it Talks right. Lots out there. Right now what I'm learning is the manifestation of the Spirit. I'm not too sure what to do. Um, so it used to just, not it used to, the Holy Spirit would just manifest here at church whenever I was being ministered to. But now I'm starting to notice that it happens a lot um, during worship or even when I'm home by myself, which is which is what's a little bit like what's going on, you know, because I'm like, I'm by myself. Not not like, why are you here? But it's like, what's up? Happened to me. I would be by myself in my room praying. The spirit of the Lord would come on me and I'd be like, man, I feel like I'm supposed to preach. So I'd look in the mirror and preach. I don't have that feeling, though. That's okay. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just relaying my experiences so that you know that was kind of what, where I was at. And so uh, but being by myself, I'd preach to myself. I'd, I'd respond to my own altar calls. I'd lay hands on myself. I prophesied over myself way before I prophesied over anybody else. So you would just do something? Um, well, no. I would, that was what he prompted me to do. Oh, okay. I would just try to follow the leading of the Spirit. And so... If he's now, you, you'll be aware of the fact if his, if you're aware of his presence and he's he's there just to bless you, and that happens, you know, he shows up because he wants to hang out with you. Oh yeah. And so in those times, you're like, Lord, I'm glad you came to hang out with me today. I am so glad. And you just hang out in that place. But then there are other times that he's like, Hey, I want to tell you something. I need for you to pray about this. I need for you to pray for so and so. I need for you to. Um, you know, um, there, there are many people that by the spirit of the, uh, the hunters, um, uh, Charles and Francis Hunter, um, they would, they were, they would pray and they talked about one time they were in prayer and interceding one night and the Lord, uh, similar, I think the, uh, a testimony time gave that they were in prayer one night and, um, I think it was Sister Frances, she was in prayer, and the Lord had her interceding. So the Spirit of the Lord had come on, and she's just praying in tongues and interceding. And in the Spirit, she sees a vision of her ministering at a meeting, but she has an interpreter, and, and these people are black people. They, she can tell she's in another nation. And she's wondering that if the Lord's given her this vision, because he's going to send her there. And so um, after the vision is over with, you know, she's done praying, she goes to bed. So a, a couple years later, they go to another country to minister. While they're at, in this other country, they, uh, they're walking um, into the church, and these people stop them and said, we were so blessed by your ministry last time you were here. And, and she's like, well, this is the first time we've been here. They said, no, you came here about a year and a half ago. We were here, and you were up there preaching. And, man, you really blessed us, and I received, and I received it. And they talked about the miracles that had happened. And she, it clicked in her, in her mind because she journaled and stuff. It clicked in her mind. She went back, and they were talking about the time that she had had 
that time of intercession, she was translated there by the Spirit. Got up and preached in front of those people by the Holy Ghost. Never even, she didn't think she ever even left her house. Are y'all hearing this? You say, can it be? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you uh, when it can't be, when uh, you don't believe that that's the kind of power that works in you. But if you believe that that's kind of, if you'll believe according to the power that works in you, according to this word, then you can believe God can do it. And you'll, and you'll get over there in a greater measure. So, you know, when the spirit of God comes on you, here, here's what, here's what I do when you're aware of his presence. Be like, Lord, is there something you need me to do? <laughs> He'll make it clear. God will talk to you loud enough for you to hear him. He wants you to hear his voice. That means if he has to shout at you, he will. Oh, yeah. God, ain't, God ain't trying to make it complicated. He's just trying to get you in. And so you ask him, Lord, is there something you need me to do? What do you want me to do? Now, if, he tell, if you hear something that's contradict, that contradicts Scripture, then you may not be in the presence of the Lord. So, you know, Amen. Go ahead, Because there's lots of things going on in this. You know, Satan's a supernatural being. So if you feel the spirit or there's a manifestation that you feel the Holy Ghost manifesting, and then all of a sudden you hear a voice telling you to do something that contradicts Scripture, guess what? You rebuke the devil. That's why you need to know the Word of God. You rebuke the devil and uh, Amen. Right? If you're feeling something and it leads you to the flesh, then you need to you know, put yourself under subjection to the spirit and rebuke the flesh and, and push away from the things of the flesh. But um, uh, I'm, I'm saying all these things because all these things, you're, you're bombarded all the time. Your mind, your mind doesn't shut down when the spirit starts working. You know what my mind tells me when I start seeing things in the spirit? You're crazy. Don't do that. Don't say that. You know how many times the Spirit of God tells me not to say half the stuff I'm saying to y'all? When I give people prophetic words, my mind is all the time talking. Man, I don't think you're right. That don't look right. How do you know you were here? Your mind don't shut down. You have to, you have to put your mind in the compartment where it belongs. And that's under the, under the subjection of, of the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. I think that's it, right? Praise the Lord. If you have any other... I'm, I know it's kind of weird, right? That kind of flew by. And we didn't get any farther than what we were before we started. Amen. <laughs> I, well, I mean, we got farther. It's just that we're not doing any better at closing the book on the... <laughs> The, the, the Holy Spirit, the ministries and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Is this helping y'all at all? Oh, yeah. Uh, my, my, I've been praying for Gil because I know Gil went through a time there on a Thursday night of last week. He was really pressing in. And I know how hungry Gil is for the moving of the Spirit and for God to, uh, to tear him up, you know, and, and uh, wreck him. Oh, yeah. But uh, uh, Gil, I, I just want to encourage you and, and everybody else here. There were days when I would pray that I would uh, pray with my pillow over my face, screaming into my pillow for God to do something for me. I mean, 
my, if, my, my, if I wish my stepmother was here tonight, I, I literally tore the carpet off of the floor of my room. Yeah. I would pray and rock back and forth right. and wore out three carpets in my room as a teenager. Oh, they, yeah. they had to replace the carpet in my room three times. My dad was so angry with me. But I would wear out places where my ankles would rub on the floor and my knees are still calloused and they look ugly to this day from rocking back. Even though I don't rock back and forth anymore like that and pray on the floor that way anymore. Um, not because uh, I don't pray, but because, uh, you know, I'm a little larger than I used to be. But anyway, um, but, and then I would, I would dig my knuckles into the floor. It would tear up the carpet. But man, I mean, the, the cry of my heart was desperate. And some of it was my flesh. You know, a lot of it was my flesh. But man, I did whatever it took. And if it meant shouting into my pillow while I was praying so that no one had to hear me shout, then that's what I would do. And I mean, I would cry out to God, oh, where is the God of Elijah? I mean, that was my prayer. People thought I was nuts. My dad thought I was nuts. He'd hear me in there shouting, where's the God of Elijah, into a pillow. He'd come in there and go, are you okay? I'm praying. He'd be like, oh. Go ahead now. I'd get in there and I'd worship. I'd get on the guitar and I'd be worshiping God. And the neighbors would come over and say, can you turn the radio down? Yeah. I stop the radio. I'm in here worshiping God. They just look at me like I was nuts. So what? I don't, listen, I'm getting there again. I don't care. I don't care what people think. Man, there are people trying to give me advice. Here, let me give you some advice of how you get more people in this church. I'm like, dude, you came too late. We ain't trying to get people by giving them cookies and coffee. Go ahead, man. That's right. We're going to get in the Holy Ghost. Whoever comes, comes. Whoever don't, don't. And if, if it's only us, that, if it's only us that get the job done, then bless God, we're going to get it done. If we, if we alone have to sink the wells of revival all over the state of Oklahoma, let's get to sinking them. Amen. Okay. Praise Amen. God. Amen. Amen. If no one else comes, God's going to enable all of us to carry every bit of the load. Amen. That's right. And we're going to get it done in Jesus' name. Oh, yeah. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Well, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Ghost. God, we're so grateful that you've empowered us with your spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Dwelling in us and upon us. So, Father, I pray that we'll become more aware of your presence, more aware of your spirit, more aware of you working in us. God, help us uh, to uh, continue to get a greater revelation, greater understanding of walking after the spirit so that we can live totally yielded and surrendered to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you with all of our hearts, Lord. Uh, let your hand continue to rest upon each one as we go out of here today. Uh, God, let us go in your presence and may others be blessed because... Uh, we've been with you here tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And everybody that believed it said amen. 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 Listen, I love y'all. I appreciate you. Go in his presence before you leave. Love someone because you do. Uh, if you're interested in going to Garvin, that's about a two-hour and 45-minute drive.